If you will, this morning, turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, where you will find our text this morning. That's Genesis 3, 15. And it reads this way. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Let us pray. O Lord, how great thou art. I thank thee, O Lord, for this time. Thy great mercy, thy great grace. O Lord, I pray at this hour you would be pleased to bring us to thy feet. You clear out any thoughts or things that would take our minds from thee. That you would reveal to us, Lord, that indeed all of this book testifies of thy Son. That you would be pleased this morning to reveal to us the depth, the meaning, the great grace that you promised. The great grace that you fulfilled. The great grace that you have given in thy Son. Pray, Lord, for thy clarity, thy strength, thy power to preach the gospel, the gospel of the one true Lord. O Lord, bless this hour. Bless it for thy glory. Bless it for thy name's sake. And bless it, Lord, for thy people. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage this morning is the first time that the gospel would ever be promised to the elect people of God. This this promise was the first time that grace is ever mentioned in the book of God, in the Holy Bible. The text this morning tells us of this promise. And I want you this morning, if the Holy Spirit is willing, to take us to this time. Because it is so instructive to us today. This is the very thing that happens in the souls of every one of His children. (coughs) There is a great fall. There was great darkness But in that darkness and in that fall was the first time, and this is the same way he speaks to all of his children, he gives them the promise and the application of grace. What we have in our text this morning is a promise, a promise that what God said to the serpent is that he, from that day on, would put enmity and hatred between the wicked one and between all of God's people. And dear ones, it'll be that way until the Lord says time is no more. And in that same promise, he tells us that in the promise of the gospel, and we're, in, we're entering into this time now that, that is set apart, that this time that we, we come in December, that we... We sit and we, and I love this time of year. I I can't lie to you. It's my favorite time of year. 
because of the gift, the unspeakable gift that God gave his people, that he would send his son to die and to save every one of his people, and that he would send his son, and his son was condescend, and he would leave heaven and come down and be born of a virgin and would be born to die for his people. And this is that promise that there will be one that not only saves his people from their sins, but he will defeat and kill and give the death blow to the one who will antagonize them all their life. All their life. That's the promise that he will be and has been defeated. You know, when we look at the book of Genesis, we look at chapter 1, we know that God made everything, and He said everything was good. He made everything on all of those days. He made everything, that, and He looked at man, and He made man, and He, said, and he made him in His own image, and He said, He is good. This is good. And then when we go into chapter 2, God, you know, He, he gave a promise. He gave a command. And he told Adam, and we're going to go to that later, he told Adam not to eat of one tree. And he established the sovereignty that he had over all of his creation. And at the end of chapter 2, he made Adam a helpmeet. And praise God that he did. I praise God every day for the helpmeet he's given me. And we end chapter 2 and everything is good. Everything is right. But what we don't have an understanding of is what happened before these, these two days where the devil revolted in, in heaven as an angel and the Lord cast him out and a third of all the angels were cast out. And now he's here roaming on earth. But in the garden, there's no evil. There's no nothing. At the end of chapter 2, there's nothing but bliss. He gave Adam a command. He said, do this and live, Adam. And Adam did that command. And he did everything that God told him to do. And he was living. And he was thriving. And then we come to chapter 3. And when we come to chapter 3... I know, I've listened to many, and Hawker, and Philpot, and all of them, we, we all agree it's a tragedy. It is a tragic end, but it's also the bringing in of the gospel. It's the first time the gospel is preached. It's the first time the Messiah is spoken of. And it'll be the last time until Noah has preached the gospel to. So, when we come to chapter 3, Understand how we left chapter 2. Everything's good. Everything's good. God said it was good. And now, this morning, I, I want to pick up in chapter 3, and I want to I show you how, why this promise. And, and my intention this morning, my intention is not to focus on Adam or focus on Eve or focus on the serpent. But my, my intention is to focus on the great grace that God gave through His Son. 
to unworthy people. How the depth of this grace that saves to the uttermost. In chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? It's a question. Did God say that to you? Did he, did he say that to you, Eve? That, that, uh, has He said that, that you're not to eat of every tree of the garden? And the first thing we notice is that He goes to the weaker vessel. Don't miss that. Satan's inroad is to where Adam's weakness is. His inroad to you and I today is where our weakness is. This enemy, although defeated, although has been said that it, he will not win and there will be a time when he's destroyed forever. Right now, we know he's active. We all can attest to Satan's devices and the wiles of the devil constantly attacking us. And he came to Eve, and I want you to notice something about him coming to Eve. They're conversing back and forth, and there's nothing like the ladies in here today. If you see a snake, you're not sitting there going, oh. I mean, you're sitting there saying, oh, how wicked. That's horrible. I want to get away from that. I'm scared of it. There's no fear here. There is a conversing between the serpent and Eve. And so he says to her, has God said you shall not eat of the every tree of the garden? And notice what she says, because, um, you know, she listens to what he says and the question, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. We have free reign to eat whatever trees we want. We can eat all the fruit that's here. True statement. But then she says, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Now, Eve puts a little extra in here, and she says, uh, God told us not to touch the tree. But that's not what he told Adam. The command that came to Adam, and I want you to understand that, it came to Adam. It didn't come to Eve. God didn't speak to Eve. He spoke to Adam. But Adam told Eve. Adam, as a good husband, said to Eve, do not touch of that tree. Do not. He didn't want her to go anywhere near that tree because he knew that the sovereign God put that tree in the midst of the garden and he said, you are not to eat of that tree. And Adam made it perfectly clear to Eve, as you see in our text today, in this verse right here, you shall not eat it, I shall not touch it, I am to stay as far away from it, or I will die. Now there is no death in the world. So I venture to tell you, she doesn't know what death means. There's no death, there's no evil, there's nothing. And that's always perplexed me. I've always wondered about that. Well, we'll get to that. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But then we come to verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. What do we call that? We call that deception. In fact, that's, that's what we're told in the Word of God, right? That it was Eve that was deceived. 
We also see it as he's a liar. Jesus said this about the wicked one in John 8, 44. He said, ye are of your father the devil. And he's speaking to those religious people who opposed him and who were not his children. Understand that. He said, you are, not, you are of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he bowed not in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaks a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Understand, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ's pronouncement upon the devil is. I know society and everybody else has made him out to be some kind of horned thing with a pitchfork and a long tail, and they've made him on the shoulders of people and all this. The Lord has said this evil being, and any of those that, he said, you are of your father the devil. He is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. You say murderer. What did he do? What, 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 did, what did Eve say? Lest I die. Lest we die. He comes and says, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. Look how, look how pretty that fruit is. You don't need to listen to that. Now, I want you to understand the conversing going along here. She's not scared of him. They're just sitting there having a, a good conversation, just like you and I have. There's no feelers going up in her to say that he's evil or nothing. There's nothing there. It's just a command came to Adam. Adam was told what not to do. He told his wife, stay as far away from that tree as you can. The serpent came in and gave an alternate choice, I should say, an alternate view. You're not going to die. Nothing's going to happen to you. Okay. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And you know what perplexes me about that? It, it always has. If there's no evil in the world, what does it matter if you know what good and evil is? I mean, if evil hasn't come in yet, the fall hasn't happened yet, everything God said was good, why? Why would that be enticing? And the Bible tells us that Eve was deceived tells us that says it over and over so I want you to understand something about deception you may believe you have a reality but the wicked one is strong enough enemy that what he puts forward what he says to you is very enticing very enticing to the very truth you believe that you've been taught the devil will come and say, that's not true. That's not true. And I'm going to tell you something. If we were in the same position as Adam and Eve were at this time, we would be lost. We would give in. We would have no life in us. I've heard so many men, I've heard so many people say, I don't like the fact that Adam represented me. Because if I was there, I would have seen right through it. You know, 
what you don't know? You don't know what happened here. You don't know the depth of the fall. You don't know what that plunged man into. He lost everything. Now, we've already told you what our text is today. The promise of the Messiah, the restoration. But in this part so far, we don't have that. We don't have a need for that now, do we? Yet. God said that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And that seemed to be good to her. She was deceived. Now, before you and I walk out there and pick up some of those rocks right there and start to cast them at her, I'd have to ask you the same question, have you ever been deceived? I know I have. I know it's a common, it's common occurrence because in my fallen nature, there's things I want to believe. There's things that I, I do that I think are truth. But until the Lord reveals what the truth really is, I've been, walk, I've been in error. I did things the wrong way. I was deceived. And then the woman in verse 6, she saw that the tree was good for food. All of a sudden, she's looking on that tree. Remember, we kind of get the idea over there. She's kind of scared of that tree, right? I can't eat it. I can't touch it. I can't do anything. Then she looks upon that tree. She says, wow, the, the fruit of the tree looks pretty good. She saw the tree was good for food. Keep in mind, she just listened to everything she had to hear from the wicked one. It was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise. Wow, you know, that serpent, uh, whatever he was, he said to me that it's going to make me wise. Wise above any wisdom I have now. I still don't know why you know what evil is because there is no evil, but that's just me. So she took of the fruit thereof and she did eat. Now I, wanna, I want you to notice something here. We're not told she died. She ate. And nothing happened to her. Because she's not the representative of man. Adam is. She's deceived. And she goes now and eats of the apple. But that's not the one Satan's after. That's not the one Satan... Is, or the devil is trying to wreak havoc. Remember, God said, all my creation is good. It's all good. The wicked one comes and says, I'm going to mar that creation. I'm going to win the day in this creation. I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to ruin everything because he hates. There's enmity between him and the Savior. He hates God. And now he's bent on ruining everything. And Adam is the head. That's what the Bible tells us. Adam is the one that represents all of man. So she eats, and then she gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Have you ever been amazed that he never said anything like, we're not supposed to eat that? He willingly fell. Remember, the command was not to eat. 
Adam, I'm going to put you in a perfect place and you're going to represent all of man. And I'm going to put you in that garden and you're going to represent all of man and all you have to do is what I tell you and you will live. And you'll never die. And you and I think we're better than Adam? You think that it's our works of our hands? You think that it's something that we can do that's going to give us salvation or keep us alive or, or give us life? See, that, that covenant now of, of works or whatever you want to call it that he made with Adam is dead. It's dead. He couldn't do it. He could not do it. He could not in a, in a place where no sin is. But did it catch God off guard? That's the, that's the thing. We think, oh, poor God. You know, he didn't know. Poor Jesus. They, they got duped. Turn with me over a page in chapter 2. Look at verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it. Now listen. Listen. That's the command. But listen to what he says. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Notice what he left out there. What we always say that happened. There's no if, dear ones. He told Adam, the day you eat, you'll die. It didn't catch him off guard. This is the plan of salvation. God knew man couldn't save himself, even in the best of places. The wicked one comes in and says, I'm going to ruin, I'm going to do this plan, and I'm going to ruin everything. And God says, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to overrule your plan, and I'm going to bring in my son, who's going to save his people from their sins, and in the meantime, he's going to bruise your head and kill you forever. That's what he said he would do. And the devil who meant it for evil, the devil who meant to overthrow God, was overthrown by our Almighty God. Back in verse 7. Because now, guess what's in the world? Death. Sin. God's not a liar. In the day you eat, you will die. And now they're both dead. Now, let me tell you something. We're going to see an explanation here that's going to, hopefully as the Holy Spirit comes, my desire today, as I said, my desire is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ who came to save His people from their sins. You want to know how far we fell? Let's read. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they, and they knew that they were naked. What does that matter? Look over at the end of two right there. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. There was no shame in the way that God made them. There was no sin. There was nothing to mar the beauty of creation. But when they ate and they, they took part in the transgression, 
Because that's what Romans tells us in Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. That's how it ended. Through a representative man, the man Adam. And death by sin. That's what just happened. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. We're now all dead. You and I today, we're dead in Adam. The only way out is to be born again in the Lord Jesus Christ. To Christ to be in us the hope of glory. That's it. There's no other way. And it's been the same for every man that's ever walked on the face of this earth. There's one way to the Father. And that's through the Son. And the eyes of them both were opened. Open to what? Evil. Open to sin. Open to shame. They now see that they're both naked. And what did they do? What does the fall plunge us into? Not only are we shameful, but now they sewed fig leaves together. We have to cover our nakedness. You know what that is? It's the same thing Jesus said when they invited the people to the feast and that one showed up in his own garment. It was this fig leaf. He sowed, they sowed their own righteousness. They sowed their own goodness, so to speak. Their own hiding place. We have to hide from God. They never had to hide from God. Never. They had a relationship with God. It's gone. It's gone. And there's only one way back. And so, they sewed fig leaves together. By the way, there's now death in the world, right? What's going to happen to fig leaves? They're going to die. That's what you and I are our righteousnesses that we spend and we try to hide behind. Oh, I know so much. Oh, I've got so much knowledge. Oh, I've got this. They're fig leaves. Anytime it comes out of your mouth, I'm this way, I've done this for God, those are your fig leaves. They're death in them. There's nothing that can commend you to God but the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now they're sewing fig leaves together and they made themselves aprons out of them to hide themselves. Don't miss this. This is very important. This is what happened in the fall. You and I are no different. This is what our fallen nature, you hear me use that term a lot, fallen nature. This is what our nature is now, this old nature in us. It is constantly bent on finding our own righteousness. It's finding our own hiding places. Finding our own coverings. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves aprons. And now we have shame and now we have man trying to Reget what he lost. Well, I had a decision to make over here. If I'd have just kept the garden, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to. No, you're not, man. You can't. You've lost that. Death now is in you. I've died spiritually. You're dead. 
both of you. And now listen to this. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. We know this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the one who had a body prepared for Him. Christ is the one who has a voice. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We are also told that there is one mediator between God and man. That's the only way God will deal with His people, is through a mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. This is Christ, pre-incarnate Christ. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. We see Him wrestling with Jacob. We see uh, Him standing as the captain of the host with Joshua. We see Him all the way through. This is the way the Lord revealed Himself to His people. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And don't miss that. There's no heated anger. There's no anger. There's nothing that the Lord's coming now. And I want you to see something. Well, we'll get there. In the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And there's you and I. We go and we hide ourselves in the midst of the trees of the garden. We hide ourselves in religion. We hide ourselves in theology. We hide all these trees that we've made in our lives, whether it's family or whether whatever they are. We go and hide ourselves in them. And I want you to notice something that what else has happened in the fall is they lost their ability to come to Christ. They lost their ability to come before God. And if there's ever going to be a relationship, God has to take the first step. Christ must take the first step. We love Him because He loved us first. We have faith because it's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have life because Christ is in us, the hope of glory who gives us life. That's it. There's no other way. There's no way they can come to God. In fact, all they can do is hide. This is what the fall has done. You and I cannot come to God today. We can't come and open our Bibles and say, Lord, I'm inviting you into my life. Because it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to reveal Christ in the scriptures, in the pages of these scriptures that all testify of Him, by the way. Not you and I. That's the problem. Man comes to this book, all, let's talk about the plight of man. Let's talk about Adam. We don't need to talk about Adam. We need to talk about the last Adam. We need to talk about what Christ has done for his. We need to talk about salvation. Because you and I are in dire need of applied salvation every day in our lives. We can't be revealed one day that Christ died for us and, and never have it revealed again the rest of the time we live here. We need Him every hour. We can't make this step toward Him. We can't. All we're going to do is hide in those trees. We have work trees that we hide in. I'll throw myself in sports and shopping and all these things we can name. Religion, whatever it is. Those are the trees that Adam and Eve, they went and they hid under. They said, 
Lord, we don't want to see you. We can't make a step toward you. We lost that. That's right, you did. But grace, grace came to them. Grace made the step. Grace comes to His people. That's the only way you and I can live. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and He said unto him, Where art thou, Adam? Where are you? It's not that He didn't know where He was. It's, it's how the Lord speaks to us and says, What are you doing? Have you ever had the Lord speak to you and just drop down in the middle of your doing something and you know that it's not pleasing to God and God comes and He says, What are you doing? Had that happen a lot. Why are you walking this way? Why did you just... And, and it's not that He doesn't know I'm a sinner. It's not that He doesn't know that I'm fallen. I don't know. It's not an indictment. I, I, it's... It's a revelation. What are you doing? Where art thou, Adam? You don't think the Lord knows where he is? And you've missed the whole point of the sovereignty of God and, and all of his creation and everything that he's made and everything that he's done. But now we have all this stuff in the fall. Now we've got fear, fear of God. Not the kind we said that God said, I'll put fear in your heart. That ain't the fear. We got this fear, fear, where we're scared of everything now. We're scared and we're hiding from God. That's what he tells us in 10. He said, he said I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. What a fall. Now he's ashamed. Now he's scared. Now he has no communion. He can't, he can't come to the Lord. Could you imagine that, dear ones? Could you imagine your life today if that was the case? If we didn't have the mediator? If we didn't have Christ to call us to him? And Jesus, as the Lord said, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree where I commanded thee that thou should, should not eat? You know what we have now? They have the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. What was the payment made for it? The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree where I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And if you didn't think the fall was, I mean, listen, Adam took of that apple, or whatever you want to call it, fruit from Eve. He took it willingly. That's what the scriptures tell us. He took it willingly. He took it out of love for Eve. He took it out of a greater love for Eve than he had for God. And then you see in verse the man said the woman that thou gavest to be with me she gave me of the tree and I did eat so now not only have we seen fear and, and shameness and we've seen an inability to come to God 
Now we've got blaming. And I, I thought about that, and I, I said, you know, I thought about that. There's no one on this earth that I love more than my wife. No. And I could say the same for Adam. There was no one on earth, well, there was no one on earth, but there was no one there that he loved more than me. And I say, in my fallen nature today, do I blame her for a lot of things? Absolutely. That, that, that shows me the wickedness that lies within. And it magnifies the great grace. God said, I'm going to send the victor. And we're vastly getting to that. And I thank, praise God that we are. Because this is a bleak picture. It's a tragic picture. It's a sad picture. But it's the truth. And then he looks to his wife who he loves and he blames her. But if you think that's bad, he blames God. He says, the woman you gave me, God, she made me do it. So, once again... I have to ask you, if you don't know how bad the fall is, the fall plunged us into hating the ones we love or questioning the ones, throwing the ones we love under the bus and turning on our Lord who's been so good to us. Gave Him everything. Everything! Named all the animals. Gave Him a helpmate. Took it right out of it. He named the woman. Called her woman. She was right there out of his side. <clears throat> Everything's good. It's her fault. And more importantly, God, it's your fault. Do you say that sometimes? Do you ever look at the sovereign events that go on in the world and you say, well, Lord, you're sovereign. You're allowing this to happen. Like, like we're blaming God for, for what he's working out in his will because we deem it to be bad. Now, listen, there's never a darker day on the face of the earth than what we're looking at today. You and I live in dark days. You and I live in days that, that are very dark, that are very, and we may feel the same way this morning. How can we get out of this darkness? The fall was bad, but oh, woe is me. Look where I'm living today. I feel like I'm living in a whole fallen world. Well, you are living in a fallen world. There's only one answer out of that, too. So now we turn to the woman because she was the first one, the one that was deceived. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? The woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Now, some will come to this and go, oh, now she's blame-shifting. But no, she's really telling the truth. It's the truth. That's the truth. The serpent beguiled her. That's what we're told in the Word of God. 1 Timothy 2.14. Eve was deceived. Adam was not. And that's what she said. The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent... Adam and Eve are still there, okay? 
but he turns and he, he, I say turns, but it's just a voice, and he speaks now to the serpent. All three of them are still there. And he speaks to the serpent and he says, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. He pronounces a curse upon the serpent. And above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And that's why many believe that the serpent used to stand and walk because the curse came, and now he's going to eat the dust of the earth, and he's slithering along. And, and then, after he pronounces the curse on the serpent, he tells something to the serpent that you and I Thank God Adam and Eve were there to hear. It's the promise of the Messiah. It's our text. In the darkest day ever known to man, grace came. You and I need to know that. You and I, if we live by the faith of the Son of God, need to know He's always in control. He's not caught off guard here. I've already told, we've already seen that. He told Adam, you're going to eat, you're going to fall. Okay, he did. But there's a bigger plan. As I said, that covenant, that one he made with Adam, it's over. He's got the last Adam. He's got his son. And he says, I, listen, there's no enmity between the woman and the serpent. We certainly saw that, didn't we? She just communed with him, had no problem. I'll put enmity. I will. That's what Jesus said. He will put it in the hearts of his people to hate the wicked one. He'll do it. You and I ain't going to do it by ourselves. We're not. Christ said, that's okay. I'll do it. Without me, you can do nothing. I'll fight for you. You'll be willing to fight that wicked one in the day of my power. The day of my power, because the day of your power isn't going to work. I will put enmity. I will put hatred between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. And her seed there is singular, meaning Christ, and it's plural, meaning the church. Because if we be in Christ, if we be in Christ, that enmity will always be there in our hearts against the wicked one. Understand that. That's where the Lord said, I will do this. I will do this for all of my children. You want to know how great grace is? This is how great grace is. I think it was Hawker. It might have been another, but it said this is the greatest picture of grace ever in the Word of God. I don't know. Because I certainly believe the grace in Paul's life and as he tormented the church and the grace in Manasseh's life as he burned his own children to a false god. Those are testimonies of grace. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It, her seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, shall bruise thy head. That means give a death blow to. 
I will defeat him. I will kill him. I will, and, it, and, it's a, and it's an offensive word. It means that Christ will always, always be on the prowl to put down the wicked one. Always in the child of God's life. Because we know the wicked one is still out there. We know that his power today. We know about his workings. But what the Lord says he will do and what he did do is he gave him a death blow. And notice that what he says is, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's Christ's foot being put upon the, the head of Satan as he destroyed him. But this is what happened on the cross. This is what happened when Jesus came up out of the tomb. Remember, remember in Luke 22, I believe it is, where Judas and all of them were sitting around there at the table and, uh, and we're told in the Word, then the devil or Satan entered into Judas and he went and he did all of those things and all that plan and then he made sure, oh, you make sure that, that tomb is sealed. He did everything that he could to win the day, just like he did in the garden. It didn't win. He didn't win. Christ did. It's a bleak day, dear ones, but Christ is the victory. Grace in Christ is the victory. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Hebrews 2.14 says this, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And we are told in the last book of the Bible that the devil will be cast into the lake of fire because the Lord has a day reserved where his end will be. That's the gospel. But is he put under the Lord's feet today? Absolutely. He's like a dog on a leash. Those chains that he's pictured of in, in uh, Revelation is the same chains that bind him. He binds him and he cannot bring death to the child of God. He can't. He can make accusations. He can tell us this is the way I do things. But he can't touch our soul. He can't. It belongs to our Lord. Our Lord dwells there. Amen. It's Christ in you. I hope. First Corinthians 15, 22, so it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And all that the Father has given the Son will be made alive in the Son. 1 John 3, 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning for this purpose. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's what the scriptures say. That's what this promise of the gospel is. And he said it. He said, this, you enemy devil, this is what your, your lot will be. I will hound you all of your days. 
And there will be that blow that will be that blow will destroy you forever. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. Because I am sovereign over you. And so all throughout the, the history and all throughout the line, then we start to see these, the line of the devil and the line of Christ. We've seen it in Cain. We've seen it in Abel. We've seen it in, in Jacob. We see it in Esau. We see it in Ishmael. We see it in Isaac. Don't forget, Adam and Eve were right there. Let's go on. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And there we have the head of the home now, will be Adam and you will always or the husband and you will always be the one subject to your husband in your home. And women, I've never ladies, I've never had any children, but I think you probably all can attest to the sorrow, those that have had children, what it's like in that multiplied sorrow. But what's missing in sixteen? A curse. No curse for you. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. And that is, he tells us there that he listened to his wife more than he listened to God. And has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. Not you, Adam. Cursed is the ground. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. And dear ones, the ground's still cursed today. And he's going to tell us how it's going. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Remember, there were no thorns. There were no thistles. There was no death. There was no weeds. There was none of that. And us who garden, those of us who garden know that weeds are still here. And it's true. And Adam, now you're going to have to work. Because everything was given to you, but now you're going to be working. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And that's the promise of death, because death now, physical death, is now in. So we have the pronouncements of what the correction was, I should say, in the fall. This is the way life will be now, and it has been ever since. But you know what? Adam heard him. Adam heard. Eve heard. There's a day of rejoicing. Because Adam then, who's already named his wife woman, he decides to name her life. You say, but what? But there's nothing but death around. No, there's life. That's what the promise of the gospel was in 15. There's life now. 
After all of that that was just pronounced, this is the way things are. But there was no curse for either one of them. There wasn't one. And so the Lord says to the, and Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. There was no children on the face of the earth at that time, but there would be. And she would be the one who brought forth the children. And Adam called her name life. And you would think, now just me and my, my mind and my brain, after hearing all of this and having all that doom and gloom and after all that fall, you would have thought that the name would have been something different. But he heard life. He heard the gospel. And not only did he hear the gospel, then the Lord provided Look at verse 21. And unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins, and he clothed them. What happened? There had to be the death of an innocent. It was the first time an animal ever died. It was the first time, and what does the Bible tell us in Exodus? Without the shedding of blood, there'll be no remission of sin. But that's not all. He had to strip them. They're still over there in them fig leaves. He stripped them of those fig leaves. He says, your righteousness will never save you. And that's what he does to his children. He shows them the sacrifice. He says, of the innocent, the Lord Jesus Christ, blood must be shed. And he shed it. Now we're not told what animal it was. All we're told is that it was coat of skins. I don't know. Whatever the Lord decided to do. But He shed blood for the first time on this earth to put forth the picture of the sacrifice that He just said the one was coming. He spoke of His death. He spoke of His birth. Now we speak of the perfect sacrifice. And he took that, and notice, notice this, notice this in the 21. He clothed them. He did. He took those things. They clothed themselves of their own righteousness and their own works, and the Lord stripped them right off of them and says, you're going to wear my robe. My robe. My robe of righteousness. And he clothed them. He put it on. That's what it says. And he clothed. And that one, dear ones, is the depth of grace. What a Savior. I wonder many times, I have a question in my head saying, am I a sinner enough to be saved? You know, sometimes those high righteous thoughts come in and all of a sudden you're this and you're that until the Lord shows you what you are in the fall. You'll never have a need for a Savior. Ever. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and he clothed them. And then we see a great act of mercy. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has come, it's become as one of us to know good and evil. Yes, he does. 
And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever in that state, working all of your days and never having an end to it. I think about that. I think about the Lord's mercy there, especially in my tough days at work. I think, wow, man, I've worked all my life. There'll be an end to that too. There'll be an end to the labor here upon earth. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. That's what he told him he would do. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of the Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And guess what's dead now? That's the covenant of works. There's no way man can come to that tree of life without the tree of life drawing. No way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. My grace is sufficient. Hebrews 7.25 tells us, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. That's what we've seen. That come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. My desire for you this morning is that you see the Lord would be so pleased to open up the depth of His grace, the need for His grace, and His great, great love to apply it by His own. Dear Heavenly Father, add Thy power, add Thy clarity for Thy glory and for Thy name's sake. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.